thank you for joining us for this episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane with Voice Matters, and my ever wonderful co-host, Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. Hi, Karen. How goes it today? Hello, Michelle. I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Rolling along. Can't believe we are looking at the end of July. It is wild. Oh, wild is a huge understatement. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to getting on the other side of this and hopefully recapturing August as a little bit of me time. I agree that and that's usually how it goes. I don't know why I'm surprised that I'm feeling this way because just the way the work cycle goes, there, there are things happening, things going on. And while everyone's out and about, you know, hanging out on the beach and enjoying the boardwalk and things and I'm just like, yeah, 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 later, later, later. And then by the time I'm there in August and September, they're all like, back to school. I'm like, stinks to be you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because in, in my industries that I work with, typically this is a quiet time. Everybody's mm. on holiday, they're away. Yeah. And summer is quiet and then it ramps up hard in September. Yeah. This year, that you know, is. I you know, you and I have joked and I said that I feel like my life is a grocery cart running going downhill and I'm chasing after it and I just can't run fast enough or long enough to catch it. I just mm-hmm. can't. I've never been so far behind in stuff. There are people that have emailed me that I haven't answered. If you're listening today, sorry, it's not personal. It's just I can't catch up. I, yeah. I just can't catch up. And every day I go back and I do something that I've neglected. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's one of the hundred things that's hanging out there. But yeah. yay. <laughs> it's it has been a little bit like that. Yeah. I think just the way certain projects have have yeah. happened. There there were a couple that I thought, oh my goodness, you know, when is this gonna happen? And now it's like, ugh, now what's yeah. happening? Now it's happening and now it's lingering on and on and on. That's another yeah. part of the story. It's like, can we just end this? Like, yeah. is this ever going to be over? Are we ever going to be done with this? Yeah. I know. I know. But then I also know that me personally, like, yes, I like summer, but I also like summer spaces <laughs> in uh, not during peak season. So I'm definitely a spring and fall summer girl if that makes sense like catch me in may catch me in september then i'm ready to do summer things. i will tell you i will take summer whenever however i can get it and it will be nice to just That's have right. days where the weather is decent it's not storming and we can right. actually breathe outside i don't know i'm thinking that that these days that would be my yeah, I, day. I think that is a big part of it because where we both live Canada yeah. keeps blowing smoke in our faces, and that's been a big issue as well. <laughs> and now we're stuck indoors without the prospect of any new TV shows. Ah! Yeah, so actually our point, we did not just come here to to moan about our, our to-do lists or the weather, but as I'm sure most, if not all of our listeners know, there are a couple of strikes happening Certainly the WGA, the writers have been on strike since May, and now SAG-AFTRA, the actors have joined them in solidarity. And, you know, they bring some very important points to the table about compensation and the value of their work, you know, 
And so we're going to talk about that and also about how this affects some of us, because certainly a lot of comms pros work in the industry or even work in segments that intersect with the industry that this, you know, that a complete work stoppage is certainly affecting. But, you know, the SAG-AFTRA union is bringing to the fore just the issue of it basically, you know, it's not, it's not the, the 2%, right? It's not Tom Cruise that's suffering. It's the, the working actors, the, I forget, what did they say? Is it 13%? of their union qualifies for health insurance? Which, I mean, so yeah, let's frame them. Yeah. Interesting. So even though these are unionized workers, I think the broader issues hit the entire labor market, including Mm -hmm. people like us, solos. Because at the core of this is how do you value people and the, the creative and intellectual talent that they bring to the supply chain of their output. Yes. And there's such a huge disparity when you see, so writers have to earn $26,000 in order to qualify for healthcare. So just keep that in mind, $26,000. That's a, seems like a very small number. Mm -hmm. So you have that, but then you have, these heads of studios making $192 million. They definitely have healthcare and all of the benefits. And I'm not, this is not a rant against millionaires, but it is something that we're seeing play out across the spectrum. And when you throw automation into it, which is a part of their negotiations as well, like they want to be protected from, I would label it as the unethical and inhumane use of, artificial intelligence because I'm a technology fan. I love innovation, but innovation is not a replacement for human beings. It's something that can help human beings to work more effectively. And yes, there are some jobs that will go away, but other jobs will be created. We've seen that over history. So I don't get you've been out of shape. However, we PR people are also creative people. How many of us recently have had people believe that our work, our expertise doesn't deserve, first of all, the amount of money that we charge. They don't see the value. And then how many of them are replacing the writing portion of our jobs or thinking that they can replace the writing portion with AI? Right. So the writers are standing against this, but it, it's this mentality that scares me because you have things like the actors. One of the things that came up in the actor strike is that studios wanted extras to sign away the rights to their images for life forever in perpetuity yeah. so for, you, for two hundred dollars for two hundred dollars yeah and in many cases it's less than two hundred dollars so yeah. you have an extra that goes onto a set and if you've never been an extra it's a fascinating experience particularly if you're trying to break into the industry if yeah. you want to break into the film industry being an extra yields tremendous benefits it's like it's akin to internships where yeah. you get to be in this environment in which you want to work. You learn things, you learn about the different roles, you learn about how the set works. For writers, this also is happening where you're taking away this environment of learning and development because with the writers, they have these things called mini rooms, which means that those writers are not even getting to interact 
with the rest of the show. So they're not getting to interact in a way that traditionally writers' rooms have happened. And so you're limiting their ability to see the whole picture and to learn and to grow professionally. And, so, yeah, this- and, and, and to do good work because, yeah. you know, if you have a room full of 12 writers of varying degrees of seniority, I mean, that's that's where the good stuff happens. If you have your four core senior writers and, oh, okay, the others are going to come in on Thursday. I, that, yeah, well, the mini rooms just happen within a bubble. Yeah. So they're not yeah. really interacting with all of the people that the yeah. traditional writing rooms get to interact with. And you're not learning about the things of, of how your content works on yeah. set. And so, again... This is not just about diminishing. It, it is diminishing. It, it's a value proposition, but it also is bumping up against fear and greed from yeah. a certain sector. And we're seeing that play across corporate America as well. As people yeah. focus on dollars and cents, are they devaluing what humans bring to the table, the creativity and the intellect that we have to offer? And so, you yeah. know, I think that that we all have to be aware of, of, yes, this is a union, whatever you think about unions, whatever you think about Hollywood, but these issues mirror what's going on in the larger labor market. And yeah. anything that happens in the labor market is going to affect every human being, whether you work as a traditional employee or you're self-employed as we are. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, you know, wh- those that are making these, what I would call short-sighted decisions, if they pull back and realize, okay that might make your next couple of quarters really sing and look fantastic. But how's this going to work for you 10 years down the road, 20 years down the, down the road when people don't want your product because it's not any good. And, you know, I'm sure the few at the top, they're like, well, I'll just hang out on my yacht and it'll be fine. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, imagine, you know, as a viewer, you are, so you're watching a TV show and there, it was filmed in Hawaii And you see the extras and, you know, two months later, you see that same exact scene (laughs) manipulated by AI and like five other things. Is that fair to viewers? I mean, I think that viewers, you're also diminishing the intelligence of the people who watch these things, who consume your content. We're not stupid. We notice those things. And you know what? Extras even though I sort of hate that name of extras because I think acting happens without words as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that they're vital to creating and setting a mood and a tone. We look at all those things. We notice it. We appreciate the depth and breadth of the, the entire creative process and it is meaningful. So to, to somehow like chop that up and say, doesn't matter. We can just AI our way into this, or we can AI. Why aren't we AIing scripts? Yeah, because (laughs) machines are not human beings, and they can crank out words, but they can't crank out nuances, emotions, and personal experiences. If you've ever read articles about how scripts came together, about how ideas came together, about how an actor was in the moment and created something that wasn't on script, AI cannot do that. Right. Um, Oftentimes, people developed entire series based on personal experiences or they bring something to their life or you're in the writer's room and somebody goes, Hey, how about this? And then that, that reality makes its way into the creative process. Can AI do that? No, because AI is a living, breathing being who's interacting with other human beings and has that to bring to the table. So yes, it's helpful in circumstances, right? 
Case in point. So the new Indiana Jones movie, they yeah. used AI to create a younger version of Harrison Ford. However, it was still Harrison Ford, 80-year-old Harrison Ford doing the acting. They had the luxury of having a catalog of all of his reactions from all of his films that he had done with that same studio. So you know, if, I don't know if you've seen him describe this, he said, you know, they put the little dots all over his face and he still did the dialogue, but yeah. then they did the magic using him. So that's a great use of AI. That came in really handy. It kept you in the story. What would not be cool is if they took that whole catalog of Harrison Ford and brought him back as Han Solo in 100 years. And I guarantee he would probably haunt them. <laughs> yeah. That's the last thing he would want. And honestly, it's just, like you said, it's so cringy and unethical yeah. that... Imagine, imagine that they did use this to create the next Indiana Jones movie and they paid him zero or they sent him a check exactly. for four cents because yeah. lots of actors and writers are receiving checks, residual checks for four cents. It costs more to mail the check than yeah. what you're receiving. When you get something for 23 cents, 27 cents, don't believe me, go on social media, follow the WGA yeah. strong hashtag and you'll get lots of information on the writer's strike. So imagine as a, a public relations person, as communicators, we often write things. Can you imagine like somebody using you one time for something and then taking your work and profiting from it over and over and over and over and over again, rather than hiring you? Maybe they throw a bone your way and say, oh, we're going we're gonna to send you a check for yeah. 10 because yeah. that's what you think it's worth. Yeah, I think recently Mandy Moore said that for a streamed episode of This Is Us, incredibly popular, profitable show. Don't quote me on it. I mean, it was under a dime. <gasps> yeah, ew, icky, right? So that that is literally what they, they're renegotiating. They just want to be paid fairly. And I get it. We're in capitalism. The CEOs are beholden to their shareholders. They're beholden to make their shareholders richer. You'll still get rich shareholders. You will still get rich. In fact, you might get richer if you fund these creatives in a way. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I think Tom Cruise in the last two years, and he's, he's not my favorite person. In the last two years, he has been leading the way to get people back into movie theaters to keep that business going. Why? Because he knows it's good for everybody. And if they can't realize this, that that funding good creative content is in their long-term best interest, then that's just really sad and unfortunate. Well, another unfortunate trend that we're seeing play out in the labor market, and you know, again, this hits our industry as well, is that this, this reluctance to present people with professional development opportunities and kind of easing out those entry-level people. So we're seeing this with, you know, the many writers' rooms and not giving people an, a, a chance to advance their career. We're seeing it with the actors and the background actors. We also are seeing this in corporate America where people new to the workforce are not receiving training on how to work. Mm. All of these things, you know, this is the same issue played out differently across various industries. We need people entering professions. The reality of our life right now is that there are more open jobs than there are people to fill them. The entire global workforce 
has aged. There's a map out there somewhere that shows how this aging population impacts the entire workforce. We're getting older. The median age of U.S. workers has risen. And so if we're not willing to train and we're not willing to give opportunities to people entering our professions, where does that leave us in the future? That's a little crazy. And it says to me, like, is this where we are right now? So we don't want to pay the people that have the experience and the talent. We want to take whatever we can from them. And then we want to, you know, use AI to like cover it up and do other things. But we also don't want to help people to do what we do. Like there's, there's a disconnect there. This is all going to come back and slide us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, at both ends of the spectrum there, there, I think there's ageism at both ends of the spectrum. And what I'm seeing a lot of is people applying for what they are told are full-time jobs And then once they're hired, they're only given part-time hours. Well, there goes their opportunity for health insurance. There goes their opportunity to make their living. And it's, you know, I'm not saying it's all corporations, but some of the corporations who are bemoaning the fact that people don't want to work, well, they do want to work. They want to be able to provide for themselves. And I'm pretty sure even if you don't love your job, you still like the feeling of contributing to society, even if you don't realize it. So if they're not provided the proper platform, like you say, with proper training, and that could be as simple as we know, Karen, everyone's talking about Gen Z, they don't know how to operate in an office. Well, maybe just maybe you need to start a program to help that to help nurture them, nurture their intelligence, you know, nurture the gifts that they bring to you. Oh, yeah. And if you say you're looking for full time, hire them for full time. Reality is, I think that we need to, we as communicators also need to make sure that we're not playing into that narrative and we don't allow companies to play that narrative because it's actually, it's erroneous. Gen Z, how do you learn to work unless people teach you to work? They don't teach you how to work in school. Education does not do that. No. Education does not teach you how to live your life. Education does not teach you those subtle nuances about how to conduct meetings or how to participate in meetings or how to engage with your coworkers. Those are things that you learn on the job. And so I have seen a couple companies that are stepping up and coming up with training programs that are teaching these soft skills to younger workers. Unfortunately, that's not being normalized. And, And it's to all of our, you know, detriment that there's not this investment in the next generation of workers, because if we're not teaching them, how will they learn? They come up with their own, like, you know, rules that may not match what your expectations are. And then you get mad and you say, well, Gen Z's lazy. Well, they're really not. Maybe, maybe they're onto something. Maybe they're not willing because they live through the COVID years and they see how quickly our lives can shift. Maybe they're not willing to work 12 hours a day in an office. Is that being lazy or is that being smart? Maybe they've decided that, you know what, work cannot be the number one thing in my life. It is a part of my life, but I also have this other life that I'm going to tend to. Is that being lazy or is that being balanced? So I think we're unfair to them as well. And, and we all hold some responsibility for that, which, you know, that whole generational thing is a topic that we'll delve into at some point on this podcast. But (laughs) today it's all about, you know, workers' rights and how this is shifting and how it really does impact us. And, and I mean, you know, from a practical, you know, standpoint that everyone can find accessible, 
what happens when the cre- content creators go away? Because fall TV now has officially already been disrupted. So yeah. enjoy those reality shows and reruns <laughs> because that's all we're going to have for a while. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't have people making movies, promoting movies, entertainment is going to stink and, and that's going to affect jobs. I mean, I have yeah. friends that work on moving construction sets. They build sets. There's no movie making happening right now. They're not working. What yeah. about the people who clean the costumes? What about the the food caterers that make the food yeah. to feed the people? They're not working either. What about all of these people who normally buy things that can't buy things because they are not working? This is everyone's issue. And I know sometimes people get caught up in numbers like actors make so much money. Yeah, they really don't. No, they don't. And I'm glad to see those that are out there stating that fact that, yeah, we're the, we are the lucky few. Yeah. And, you know, even with the AI stuff, if they're trying to pull this with us, what chance do those who, who aren't at this point in their careers, what chance do they have? And yeah, there's definitely going to be a ripple effect. And, you know, look, unions have done a lot of good. They're not perfect. But if you enjoy your five-day work week, thank your union. If you enjoy weekends, thank your union. Someone's got to draw the line because if we did not have them drawing the line, trust our, you know, the rest of ununionized corporate America would be far worse than it. Yeah. And it's, it's is in places. I think the math is right. Whether it's yeah. those people are in the union or not, but bringing, yeah. giving a voice to these issues that I think we all need to be aware of. And I think one of the key things for us as communicators is understanding and protecting our own intellectual property Yes, and standing strong for the value that we deliver. Because I honestly do see this, this environment that we're in currently that is wholly focused on economics with a short-sighted view to the value of communicators. So mm-hmm. you see companies that, you know, and, and this happens in economic downturns. What's, what are the first departments to go? Marketing, communication. Yes. They yes. make the chunks. And we know that's problematic. Companies don't care. They only care about how those numbers look right now and moving forward for the future. Yeah. And they, I think that, at some levels of the company, they realize the steps back that they will take, but it's a risk that they're willing to accept. But again, our profession is also being devalued and media, you know, is definitely going through dramatic shifts as well. And so I feel like these issues that apply to Hollywood writers also touch the journalists that we interact with. Yeah, absolutely. That absolutely does. Well, we've given you a ton to chew on this week. So We hope you found this time valuable. And please, we want to hear your feedback. Visit us at soloprpro.com. Hit us up. If you if you found this of value to you, please share it around. We would love that too. We love spending this time with you. And so until next time, thanks for listening to That Solo Life. Mm-hmm.